Happy All Saints Day to you. This is uh, officially on November 1st, but we in the church get to move dates around if we want to, and we're celebrating it today. Um, That really is a perfectly valid thing to do, is to move that around. So we're celebrating All Saints Day here on November 6th, Um, but many of you might be wondering what exactly that means to celebrate All Saints Day, And, and I think that's a valid question. And so on All Saints Day, what it is, it's a time to remember the saints who've come before us, but not only them, but to remember the saints who are among us as well, saints who've come before us and saints who are among us, and and some of y'all might be curious about that, and we'll get to that in a second, Um, but we have these saints that we're remembering, and, and so we need to realize there's a distinction, because we have saints, what you might call capital S saints, and those are the, you know, those are the heavy hitters like St. Francis and St. Augustine and you know, St. Paul, if you will, St. Matthew, capital S saints who, who are officially um, recognized as the church as doing outstanding things for the Christian faith. But there's also another type of saint. This saint maybe isn't in the church well, he's in the books, I guess, but not in the church, uh, you know, calendar. You don't have a Saint Tyler, if you will. It's not even close, frankly. Um, but we're saints as well. Folks who, whose lives maybe weren't quite as extraordinary. Maybe they didn't write a book of the Bible. Maybe they didn't um, defend heresy in the fourth century. But, but they were, they're saints nonetheless. We, we've celebrated the lives of a couple of saints recently, um, I think of Michelle Kelly and, and Rita Corbett, whose lives we just celebrated. Those were two saints who went before us, but who lived among us as well with extraordinary lives. And so why do we remember these folks? Why do we remember their lives, and why do we, we reflect on them? Well, in our prayer book, which is it's the book that gives us guidance and order for worship, and it has lots of prayers in it. It's a wonderful book. On, in our prayer book, there's this prayer for All Saints Day. We ask God to give us grace, give us grace to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. So we're called to follow the saints in virtuous and godly living, which is tough sometimes, and we're also called to share in, in the hope that they've been rewarded, these ineffable joys, these joys that we see in the book of Revelation of this great multitude bowing before the Lamb and saying salvation belongs to our God. That is our hope. And that's what we we look forward to when we remember these saints and we think of them sitting there before the throne of God, praising Him, bringing Him honor and glory. So we're remembering the saints. And one thing we want to be clear about, it's not like you die. If you believe in Christ, you die, and then bam, you're a saint. That's, that, 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 maybe that's part of it. But, but we're saints now. You know, if, if all of you, and, and you might not believe this, but it's true, if, if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You're a saint. You might not feel like it. You might not think you are, but, but you are. You're a saint. And we, that we see this in the Bible. In Ephesians, Paul addresses his church, and he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. 
Now, there hasn't been this process of canonization yet. This is just, you know, the saints, the people of the church. That's who Paul is writing to, the saints in Ephesus. So, if we consider ourselves to be saints, then we need to know what that looks like. What does it mean to be a saint of God? And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to look at the Beatitudes, which we just read. Um, But first, I want you to consider two modern-day saints, if you will. They've passed, but they would have been saints even while they were alive. Mother Teresa and C.S. Lewis. Mother Teresa was this amazing nun who worked in the slums of Calcutta, helped the poor, brought them food, and also brought them Jesus. She would be considered a saint by any standard. She was an amazing lady. C.S. Lewis, he might not be your conventional saint, but he was nonetheless a converted atheist who wrote books and books and books explaining and proclaiming Jesus, whether it was to children and really even us adults as well through the Chronicles of Narnia or through his more um, you know, thoughtful books like, like Mere Christianity or Screwtape Letters. C.S. Lewis was a saint for sure. And so as saints, we're called to emulate them. We're called to emulate their love of Jesus, emulate their concern for the poor, emulate their proclamation of the gospel. We're called to remember them and emulate them. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not C.S. Lewis. How can I emulate that? How, How can I do that? I don't have faith like that. I have doubts. I have concerns. I have worries. There's no way I can be a saint like those two. But consider this. This is Mother Teresa. She wrote this, published after she died. Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me, the child of your love, and now become as the most hated one, the one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer No one on whom I can cling. No, no one alone. Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd my heart and make me suffer untold agony. That's Mother Teresa. You all identify with that? C.S. Lewis, when his beloved wife passed away, he's talking about God and, and, and how wonderful God is to approach. But he says this, But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting in the inside. After that, silence you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It is an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. And that seeming was as strong as this. C.S. Lewis. He doubted God sometimes. He worried about God. He feared God. You identify with that, saints? You identify with that? But the amazing witness of Mother Teresa and C.S. Lewis is 
even when they questioned themselves, even when they doubted themselves, even when they doubted, you know, where is my faith? They knew they had a belief stronger than their doubts. So Mother Teresa, despite her doubts, she kept working and working and working. She probably felt like this way for, for 40 years. But she proclaimed Jesus nonetheless. C.S. Lewis, he was in this midst of this sorrow and struggling and pain, but God brought him through it to the other side where he could see God's love and all its glory and all its radiance, and he actually knew God better than before. And so at the end of the day, we question, well, I'm not a saint. I can't do these things. But at the end of the day, again, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He puts this on the mouth of Screwtape, who is a devil in one of his books. Screwtape says this, The great sinners are made out of the very same material as the great saints. The great sinners are made out of the very same material as the great saints. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I can call myself a great sinner. I suspect many of you can call yourself that as well. And what we see here is the power of God to transform. What does it mean to be a saint? It doesn't necessarily mean being holy. It doesn't mean being holy. We've seen very holy people have very unholy periods in their lives. Periods of doubt and pain and suffering. So what then does it look like to be a saint? Well, let's turn. If you have your Bibles or your phones or iPads or whatever you got, um, Matthew chapter 5. Tom, maybe you can pull up Matthew on the screen. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's often called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a Latin word that basically means blessed. It basically means blessed. And so you read the Beatitudes and you see blessed is this, blessed are those, blessed are those. And so obviously Beatitude is a very important or is a very good word to call it. Now what is interesting is this word Beatitude also comes up in the Catholic Church when they're talking about the saints. Part of the process of becoming an official saint in the Catholic Church is beatification, blessedness. And so we could see these to be a description of the saints of God, a description of us. What does it mean to be a saint? Well, it means to be blessed. And there's three characteristics that, that, we can, that I'm going to pull out of here today. There's plenty more, but there's three that we're going to look at today. What are the saints of God doing? What do they look like? Well, the first thing that we see is saints are often found weeping. Saints are found weeping. Saints are found thirsting, hungering and thirsting. And saints are often found rejoicing. Weeping, thirsting, and rejoicing. First of all, weeping, verse 3 and 4. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. These two go together, the poor in spirit and the mourning, the poor in spirit. If you're a poor in spirit, if you're a saint, you realize that you're not up to this task. You can't do it. You can't be holy. John Wesley spent the better part of his life trying to be holy. And the holier he tried to become, the farther away from God he actually felt he was. Until one day it hit him. I can't be holy. He became, if you will, poor in spirit. So we need to be poor in spirit. And we are poor in spirit. This isn't a prescription. Oh, you have to check these off your list and then you're a saint. No, this just describes the saints of God. They're poor in spirit. And because they're poor in spirit, verse 4, they mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They weep. 
we weep. Mother Teresa spent her life weeping for the poor in Calcutta. She spent her life weeping for them. C.S. Lewis spent an extended period of time weeping over the death of his wife. Why were they weeping? Sure, they were weeping for the conditions of the children. They were weeping for, for the loss of somebody close to them. But there's something, there's something about believing in Jesus Christ that makes us weep harder, that makes us weep more deeply than others. And that something is we know this isn't how God wants things to be. We weep because we know these things aren't right. Jesus, when he went to see Lazarus, Lazarus was, was dead. In the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He wept. He was mourning his friend. Death is not from God. Poverty, suffering, pain, this is not from God. And we, as saints, weep over that. We weep. Saints also thirst. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Because we're poor in spirit, because we mourn for this world, we thirst. We thirst for a day when there will be no more sorrow, when there will be no more pain, when every tear will be wiped from our eyes. We thirst for that righteousness, that right relationship with this world. And so as saints, as followers of Christ, we we hunger and we thirst for righteousness in this world, in our own lives, and we can't wait for that life to come when all things will be made right. And so finally, while we're thirsting, we realize that we can rejoice. We can rejoice. This, this isn't the last word. What you see in this world, what you see in your life, the things you see in your heart where you try to do good and you try to follow God and you just can't, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is Jesus Christ redeeming us on the cross, taking our sins, taking the punishment for our sins so we could be in right relationship with God. And one day that same Jesus who died on the cross will be back. He will be back. And all the injustice and all the poverty and all the death will be wiped off the face of this earth. And for that we rejoice. We praise God. Let's turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. Can you pull that up, Tom? Revelation chapter 7 paints a picture from where we've come from to where we're going to be. Where we've come from to where we're going to be. If, if If you were to go back a couple chapters, you'd see in Revelation chapter 6 a description of this great tribulation that the world is in, that we're in right now. And and John is having this vision, and he's seeing the reality of the hardships, the reality of the difficulties of living in this world. And he says, at the end of chapter 6, who can stand? Who can survive this? Who can make it through? Who, if you will, can be a saint? Then we get to chapter 7, and we realize that those who can stand are those who have been sealed by God. In chapter 7, it says, those who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. 
those can stand. And so then a Mother Teresa or a C.S. Lewis who knew all too well the depths of the pain that we can experience as Christians can stand before God because they have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice. We rejoice that we will be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? If we're saints of God, what are we going to do? Are we going to sit here? We're going to say, wow, thank God I'm a saint. No. If you look in Revelation, it says that a great multitude of every tongue and every tribe and every nation was worshiping God. How do you think, how do you think they got there? Take a look at this video, if you will. Amazing. Did you see those saints? All those saints on that video? None of them look particularly holy to me. Maybe one or two. Um, <laughs> but the saints of God are not called to just sit here. You know, we, we, we could sit here. Um, but if we're saints, why would we not tell others what we have? If we mourn for the state of this world, if we thirst for righteousness, if we rejoice in our hope, how can we not share that? How can we not just invite somebody to Alpha? How can we not take a few cards in the back? I mean, those things are so easy. They've just got, you know, come to St. Paul's and here are the times. It's so easy. Just give it to somebody. How can we not do that? We're not trying to proclaim St. Paul's. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is here. And that's why we invite people here to know Jesus. Our worship team um, is amazing. 
But they could play all day long, and we're not going to hear them in Somerville. Our Alpha course is, is really quite fun, and the food is quite good. But we could cook food all day, and nobody's going to come if we don't tell them. Jesus Christ has died for our sins, but nobody's going to know that if we don't bring it to the world. We have something here at St. Paul's that we can't help but share. It's not the music. It's definitely not the preaching. It's not even this great coffee that we've got. It's Jesus Christ. Let's proclaim that. We've come here today with our doubts, with our concerns, and with our fears. And maybe some of you, this, maybe this is a new message to some of you. And you don't, you don't know Jesus. You don't know the one who transforms our lives. And I just invite you to ask somebody about that today. Ask me after the service if you want to. But, but for everybody else, you've come with your doubts and your fears. I think I believe, but I don't know. Or I think I can do this, but I don't know. But you're in good company. C.S. Lewis, Mother Teresa, all those people inviting everybody else to know Jesus at St. Paul's. This is not something we can sit on. Let's go out. Let's go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not as some holy, awesome group of saints but as the saints who are poor in spirit. You could say as one beggar showing another beggar where to find food, but I would prefer to say it this way. One saint showing a potential saint where to find sainthood. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your glorious saints who are with us now, who have gone before us and who are yet to come. May we follow them and emulate them, not because of who they were, but because of who Jesus is. May we go forth from here proclaiming your gospel, and we ask all this in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen.